Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body, and lifestyle. In today's episode, I am joined by Bernie Williams, CEO and co founder of My DNA Health. As a keen sports person, Bernie has always had an interest in nutrition, health, and science and the positive impact in health, longevity, and disease prevention. As a young 800-meter athlete, she understood the importance of nutrition for energy utilization and recovery. Prior to My DNA Health, Bernie spent over 20 years in corporate leadership roles. These corporate environments were highly stressed, and her own health and well-being was not a priority. And so in 2014, together with the other founders of My DNA Health, Bernie helped to develop the first DNA testing product, and the company was born. If you've been thinking of getting your DNA tested, you will love this interview as Bernie and I take a deep dive into genetics and the power of understanding not just your underlying DNA, but how it is being expressed so that you can protect yourself against chronic diseases such as heart disease and type 2 diabetes. We now live in a world where we can take our health into our own hands, and this episode explains how you can do the same. What makes my DNA health unique is that their science-backed algorithm incorporates questionnaires from the individual to give you a deep understanding of how the environment is affecting your genome. It also helps you to input blood test results such as blood sugar levels and HbA1c results so that you can track in real time the impact of the nutritional and lifestyle changes you are making to your health. I've personally had incredible success in using my DNA health product with my own clients and influencing their epigenetic expression for optimal health outcomes. This is a jam-packed episode and some of the key points that Bernie and I discuss are why personalized nutrition is key and why a strict ketogenic diet is not for everyone, how to tell if you're symptomatic of toxic overload, and we also discuss why depending on your DNA, synthetic folic acid can potentially become toxic. We look at how managing inflammation is the key to health and longevity, and also what the MyDNA Health Test can tell you about your own risk for things like high inflammation, type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, and Alzheimer's disease. We talk about how you can use your results to create a blueprint to follow and become the CEO of your health, and how having a trained functional practitioner or coach is the key to you avoiding your results just becoming shelf help. My mission is to transform people's health across the world. And so I really hope you enjoy this episode and find it valuable. If you do, please leave a review and share it with someone you think it might benefit to help us get the message out there. Let's make chronic disease optional. So I'm super excited to have Bernie Williams on today's show. Bernie is the co-founder and CEO of My DNA Health, um, a company that I came across recently um, as Many of my listeners know I do a lot with DNA testing myself, but more on the creating lifestyle and nutritional packages around people's results that where they can act on those in a positive way to positively influence the expression of their genetics. And when we met Bernie, I was super impressed with the depth of your knowledge and also the rigorous scientific testing that you do. And the thing that really stood out to me is that you're the only company that I've come across that actually looks at different genetic variants alongside questionnaires from the client themselves and puts both of that, those sets of information through your algorithm. It's a very sophisticated process and very helpful to practitioners like myself to introduce the right changes 
Can you expand on that a bit more and share with the listeners how you operate? Yeah, sure. Um, Thanks. So what we're looking at is we've researched certain genetic variants. Um, So it's genes and there's a position in a particular gene and it has to really be backed up by scientific and clinical evidence. And we also need to understand what is that actually doing? So so for those that aren't familiar with um, what a genetic variant is or a gene, so a gene really is a set of instructions for an enzyme and the enzyme you could regard as, as the worker and it's doing things and they're doing really important functions. So if you have a particular gene or genetic variant, it could mean that the poor little worker, the enzyme, has a reduced capacity. So they're probably still doing a job, but they're not doing it very well. And then we look at, um, as Angela um, alluded to, is that's only one half the picture. The other half of the picture is actually your environment and your lifestyle. So what do we mean by that? So it's the air you're breathing in. Um, it's the food you, you're eating, um, your stress. If you're exercising, the alcohol you're consuming, um, whether you're sleeping, so all of those um, kind of environmental impacts can either impede or support that poor little worker. So if you have a very, if you're exposed to a lot of toxins and it's one of the, um, you know, the workers or the enzymes in the body that needs to help with detoxification, you could start becoming symptomatic. So our questionnaire, the way you're filling it is, it's telling us how you of toxin overload, which means that you are very likely to have an impaired detoxification pathways. And there's loads of symptoms that follow that and can lead to further um, health issues. I mean, the other examples would be, we have a number of genes that we assess for blood sugar control. And we know that, you know, type 2 diabetes is a growing um, epidemic there's between three and five million who are regarded as pre-diabetic and um, vast majority aren't even aware. Um, mm. and so we're looking at what, what are the genes that actually encode and help with maintaining uh, blood sugar balance in your body and could predispose you, for example, to insulin uh, sensitivity and then type 2 diabetes. And alongside that, we want to know if you're actually symptomatic of hyperglycemia and insulin sensitivity. So the way you're answering those questions will tell us that. So you see it's one half the picture and the other half the picture is that expression that you, that you refer to. Now we know that, so we can actually give you your score. We can we interpret that all for you, explain exactly what it means. And then most importantly, we know through our own research, what do we need to do? So we need to take things out. We need to help those workers. We need to reduce your risk by putting things in. So things in could be a personalized diet based on you. It could mean that we need to make sure that your lifestyle supporting it. So it's, we've got to up your exercise if you're not exercising or if you're only exercising once a week, we've got to up that because the evidence all points to that. We need to reduce your stress. We need to improve your sleep patterns. We need to put extra nutrients in. So there may be particular nutrients that we need to put in. And if we can't get it out of in food, we're going to actually then recommend that we put some food supplements. So it's all tailored to you. Because the big difference between all of us, really, is our um, metabolic pathways. So all the food that we eat contains nutrients, and they must transit these complex metabolic pathways. And these pathways is what varies between people. Mm -hmm. That's that's the key difference. So how do we actually assess and measure the differences? So the first one is the genetic variation. The second one is our lifestyle choices. 
and um, our environments that we're living in. So some people may be living um, close to busy roads. Um, some people may be living in agricultural areas where they may be exposed to sort of fertilizers in the air, et cetera. And then we also would be looking at the food that you're eating as well. So that's also very important. So what are the actual food choices that you're busy making at the moment? Um, your lifestyle differences. So these are your habits as well. So your exercise, are you sleeping? Are you stressed? So all of those sort of lifestyle choices that you're making. And then we'll also, what we would use as measurements as well would be blood biomarkers, for example. So understanding where you are is really important. Understanding what that lifestyle is doing. Because you need to look at it from, you know, rather than outside in, we like to think about it from inside out. Mm -hmm. So why are we insulting our bodies? Why are we not actually focusing on the inside rather than the outside? Because if you focus on the inside, because food is food is like your medicine. So we're all it's about information, isn't it, to your cells? Food. I always think food is information to your cells. It's exactly that, and we're all different, and that's what leads us into this whole new exciting field of personalized nutrition. So it's moving away from the one-size-fits-all dietary advice that tends to be, you know, pushed out from in the public to some of these, our, maybe I can use the terminology, fatty diets that may work for some people, mm-hmm. and that's fine because their metabolic pathways would support that. But for, for their friends or other family members, possibly it may not work very well for them. So it is really understanding what is your personalized nutrition and what does your personal lifestyle plan look like? And it is different for everyone. And as you start making improvements, and we can measure, you know, your blood sugar balance. We can, um, by doing sort of blood tests, we can have a look at your cholesterol levels as well, your in- inflammatory markers, for example. So there's loads of ways of actually measuring and also using your lifestyle questionnaires. We want to make sure that you are moving in the right direction. And it's great for for um, the person to actually see that they, the effort that they're making is actually making them feel more energetic, no longer foggy brain. And that's generally what we start hearing after a couple of weeks. I just find I've got so much more energy now. And it's mm-hmm. all about putting in the right information. As you rightly said, it's like the food. It's, it's the information that your body needs. Yeah, I think that's super powerful. I and mean, I know from my own experience, I'd this was um, diagnosing me before we had this amazing ability to test our DNA. But um, I have a very strong Middle Eastern origin um, on my father's side and a very strong family history of diabetes, in fact, on both sides. And in me in my 20s, and I know this is a, a case for a lot of women who are really struggling with fertility, but I found that I was diagnosed with PCOS, so polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I did my own research on that and discovered that there was a link between insulin resistance and PCOS and in fact actually at the time I was put on metformin which is a diabetic medication and you know I had to go through quite a bit of surgery very uncomfortable to solve the situation but ultimately it would have come back had I not adjusted my nutrition and lifestyle and after doing that what's amazing is that I literally have now zero evidence of PCOS even though mine was so was so dramatic that it was kind of the the physician described it as the most extreme biochemistry he'd seen on the blood test. It was confirmed on um, internal scans. And I had to have, you know, ovarian drilling and various operations to to get rid of it. But it would have only been momentarily. And just that simple switch for me 
of actually, and I subsequently went on to test my DNA, as you know, and I found out that I am super sensitive to sugars. And now by minimizing carbohydrates in my diet, I have no processed carbs. The carbs that I do have, I don't go carb free. I have lots of vegetables and some starchy carbs, but the dramatic difference in my health since making that change. And I think this is so empowering what you're doing, Bernie, because what it can offer people in terms of really taking charge of their health. And I like to, you know, I'm all about empowerment and helping people to become the CEO of their health is, is really amazing. Um, I like that terminology, CEO of your health. I think that's really good. Yeah, because, you know, people can decide how they want to navigate their future health. And you can carry on buying processed foods, um, takeouts, but you're not going to have a really good sort of end destination. And you are very likely going to end up um, having one of these long-term health conditions and probably on medication, you know, for the rest of your life. Now, if you want to take that journey, that's fine, but I don't think that's a really comfortable journey. And the, the better journey, which is really easier to do, is to actually start um, enjoying food and understanding why, you know, it's better to try and cook like whole foods. And and you don't have to go, because I often get asked, but doesn't it cost a lot of money to sort of follow a plan like that? No, it doesn't. Because we are talking about just, you know, if you can encourage people to cook more and eat more seasonal, you know, veggies. So exactly your example is that you haven't cut out your veggies actually. Um, Mm -hmm. With your sugar, um, you know, your um, risk for insulin um, resistance, it's good that it was identified. So cutting back on some of those higher sugary fruits and still having some fruit in the diet, but actually eating more of a rainbow. And that rainbow Mm -hmm. is giving all the nutrients you need and the fibers that we need them for, you know, to to provide you with that protection. And and that's really, uh, I think it's an easier solution. And then finding sort of good quality sources. I mean, the one area that is not well understood at all, I think, in sort of the public domain is your, if I can talk about it, is sort of your omega-3. So people are aware Mm -hmm. of, you know, I need to, they may be taking omega-3 supplements, for example, or maybe they're not. And they probably are hearing that, oh, I need to eat more oily fish. Um, But for a lot of people, that's probably too much of a challenge. And we test that pathway because, you know, we need to make sure that we've got the right balance between the omega-3 and the omega-6. So some people, if you have the, um, so remember I mentioned the genetic variant, so it's a reduced enzyme function on the omega-3 pathway, if you have that variant, that means that the, um, so you might be one of the sort of healthy ones and you, you know, you're getting your flax and your chia seeds into your diet. But unfortunately, um, with that reduced enzyme, they may struggle to convert that into mm. what the body needs. So we look at the other pathway, which is your omega-6 um, sources. So we're talking here about, you know, the vegetable oils, the sesame oils, and the sunflower oils. And what we want to do here, it, it tends to, they tend to compete those, those pathways. So when you're consuming all of those, you know, uh, flax seeds and chia seeds, it could actually shuffle down that other pathway. And that can lead to pro-inflammatory. So if you then loading up and you're eating a lot of processed meats, um, grain-fed poultry, um, you know, non-organic sort of eggs, so you're putting in it, the scientific terminology for this is aranodonic acids. If you're loading that up, means it's going down pro-inflammatory. 
So what we'd have to do is really balance you out. So get those oily fish in your diet if you just are one of these people that just can't take the oily fish. And so we have to then put the right quality supplement into your diet then and make sure we're providing you with that protection. Mm-hmm. So that's, that, again, would be useful information, you know, for people. Yeah, super useful. And I think a lot of people don't realize that those conversion rates can actually be, I'm not, they can be as low as 10% in some individuals, can't they? So, and it is, it's an issue for vegetarians, but then I think they can get it from algae and other sources. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah. They can now. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is good news for the vegetarians. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Really good news. The other thing I want to talk to you a little bit about is I know um, I see this a lot and you touched on it earlier about energy levels is people who are really struggling with their energy and the link between that and B vitamins in the methylation cycle. Okay, so what we look at is the methylation and cycle balance. So what we're looking at here is your dietary folate that you can get, you know, from your green leafy veg and that, and then the conversion, which is the methyl version of it, in order for the body then to use it effectively. Because everything we do has to be converted. So there's sort of little helpers that turn it into what the body needs. And that's, and you need to make sure that firstly you, you um, have the right enzymes so the workers to do that job effectively. And then you also have the right um, other supporters around that. So those are other B vitamins as well um, that can convert it and then turn it into what the body needs to provide you with that, that protection as well. So if you have, and it's a gene called, I think it's becoming more familiar now, it's the MTHFR. And if you have the genetic variant, you could have between 60 and 70% reduced enzyme function. It does mean you have 30% function. But here again, very likely that if you know this, certain things you need to avoid. So things like, you know, your folic acid, which is a synthetic version of folate, which is fortified in foods. And it's also in a lot of um, the supplements that you can buy in, in large retail outlets. You're very unlikely to, to actually be able to convert that. And it can almost become toxic for you. So it's really better to get the right form of folate and then the B vitamins that you need to um, in order to help convert that into the, the methylated version for your body. So we would still encourage you to eat your um, your green leafy veg and that, but we would also try and encourage you to get more uh, rich uh, sources of your B vitamins in your diet as well. And then there's other cofactors, but that's where, you know, the support from a nutritionist is really valuable yeah because you could actually take them on that sort of health pathway rather than someone guessing and going down to one of these supplement companies and just buying supplements they could be doing more damage to their body and also mm. buying supplements they don't need so mm-hmm. uh, it's really i think this is the the, the the key role you know for a nutritional practitioner is that you understand that and you can use that then and put them on the right supplement protocol as well yeah, absolutely. And I know in my own clients, they find it super valuable when they're, they're not mystified by those kind of high shelves of supplement after supplement, wondering what on earth they should be taking. And they can actually be very specific and targeted in it according to their genetics, Yes, um, which saves them money. And also, as you say, it can become quite toxic if you're taking things that you don't need. Yes, correct. And they can um, counteract with each other as well. So, and you know, some we were chatting earlier about some of the genetic test uh, reports that you've, you've um, come across as well. I get asked this a lot. It's like, 
But in one section, it tells me I mustn't, I mustn't take this. But in another section, it says I must take this. And that's the confusion. And, mm. um, and it's really about you need to actually translate that and interpret that back to, again, I keep driving back to this sort of personalized nutrition for this particular person. So what are the areas? So you may have the genetic variant, but you may already be supporting yourself. So would you need to really go and treat that particular um, genetic variant like the NTHFR? And it depends. So we'd have to look to see, you know, what's your toxicity levels looking like? I'd probably look at inflammation alongside that because if we don't have the right you know, methylation cycle balance, that can lead to an elevated homocysteine level. Mm. And, you know, your listeners may not understand what that means, but that is associated with increased risk for cardiovascular disease and it's been associated with um, neurological conditions like Alzheimer's as well. So unfortunately, NHS don't test for that, but as a health or nutritional professional, you could actually sort of look into that then because mm. it's not just one gene uh, with that balance. There's a number of genes in there and we want to see what's actually happening. So definitely toxicity, poor sleep patterns, high stress, gut function is important for this as well. So there's multifactorial factors that need to be taken into account before any personalized nutrition, lifestyle or supplement protocol is put in place. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. And I think you have to look at the whole. I think one of the dangers as well that I've come across is, as you talk about personalized nutrition, this is what I speak about a lot myself, is that now that we have the tools to do that, it's really fundamental that we do because a lot of people are going off on different diets that they maybe don't even understand that well. So you mentioned earlier that what works for someone may not work for another. And I'll have um, clients come to me who, for example, have found that the ketogenic diet has been working super well for their husband and they haven't lost any weight on it at all. There are two factors. One is a certain nutrition plan may or may not work for you if you don't know these factors, but also people are engaging in diets that they don't necessarily understand the complete basis of. So for example, most people get better, I find, on a predominantly plant-based diet with some protein and some healthy fats. Now, fine-tuning those ratios to get them perfectly for that individual is when they have these really high levels of health and of energy. But I think there's many people out there, for example, who will take the keto diet as an example. And, you know, they're eating what they call fat bombs and there's lots of saturated fats. And, you know, it's almost an excuse to indulge in that as much as they like. And they may lose some weight, but then what what effect is that having on their body? That's a really good point. Um, I don't like the terminology diet because diet in itself is you restricting. Mm. You've taken out and I just don't believe that's the right approach. I mean, my own experience with those type of um, types of diets was way back. Um, I thought I'll, um, I will try with my husband. I wanted him to lose a bit of weight. So I said, I'll do the Atkins one with you. And mm-hmm. I got really ill on it, really, really ill. I just couldn't, couldn't tolerate it. And yeah, I've got, um, you know, pre- I've got inflammatory uh, genes. I've got elevated risk for um, cholesterol and uh, fat sensitivity and I've got cardiovascular disease in the family. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely not the right approach for me. Um, so, and I felt it. I felt really ill. Actually, I, I couldn't. Um, I couldn't actually cope with, cope with it. Um, Did you do any blood biomarker testing to see what was going on? No, I didn't. This is before we actually started the business. I mean, the way we started was like all of us. We work in. Um, I was in in um, leadership roles in um, mainly in the financial service industry for over twenty years, and with long hours, you know waking up at five in the morning, um, commuting into London every day, 
being at my desk from half past seven until half past seven, eight o'clock at night. I could see what impact it was having on me. It was mainly my, my energy levels, foggy brain. I felt I was in the office, but I just didn't feel I could really focus. I was procrastinating a lot as well. If I got into, as you do in these leadership roles, you're always going to be in a debate or a heated conversation with people when you're trying to, because I was always pushing through change. I felt that it stayed with me for days and days and then it impacted my sleep. Um, and I sort of seen this happening to my colleagues as well. And I started looking at their, what their typical day looked like. And we were, you know, at our desk and it was the coffee and probably something we, we grabbed from one of the frets of this world and places like that. Sitting down, sitting down, lunchtime, out there, grabbing a sandwich. I was never really a sandwich person or a packet of crisps and, and a Coke. I was never that type of person. I was always fairly healthy. But this is what they were doing. And I started seeing changes in their body shape and their behaviors. And it was quite fascinating looking at that. And then, you know, I was having, I had a dinner party and I had a GP friend and a functional medicine um, friend and we had a person that was a data scientist and um, a, a developer. And we just started sitting around chatting about sharing our own sort of experiences in that. And it was quite fascinating that um, the functional medicine practitioner and the, um, the GP, they both experienced that with patients they were seeing exactly the same it's like almost my story was their story as well and we felt we felt that there was more to what we were seeing and we we questioned we actually put a whiteboard on on, on my wall in the dining room we took all the paintings off and we said what is driving obesity and type 2 diabetes what is driving all of this and that that's really where this and we felt that there's got to be there's a biochemistry happening here Mm. Um, there's environmental issues happening here um, because epigenetics and genetic testing was just starting to sort of emerge. And this is we way back 2012 and it started emerging. And yes, and this is exactly what it was. It's like, you know, you've got to understand your kind of going back to that genetic capacity and then the choices you're making in your every day. So, again, it's like looking from the inside out. Um, so if you get the inside healthy and you actually focus on being CEO of your own health, I love that and giving your, um, you know, your biochemistry the right um, messaging through through foods and that, then outside you're going to look pretty good as well. Mm. You're going to be glowing, you're going to be healthy. Mm. Whereas I think generally people are focused on the on the outside in, you know, going to the gym every day and counting those payments. I see that still today. And, I mean, some people are um, genetically predisposed to inflammation and oxidative stress as well, and they are not sleeping well. They're highly stressed because we can see it in their questionnaire results. And you can see it when you meet them. You can, I mean, you as a practitioner would see uh, mm. the look on the person's face. Their body's tight. And then they're going out and doing that hour or two hours of cardio every day. Mm-hmm. And all they're doing is it's the worst thing for that type of person. And then when you explain it to them, it's like a light bulb moment. Yeah. Um, but it's that, but then you've got to convince them that try meditation, try yoga, just on, you know, slowly don't do cardio every day. And then they start reporting that they're feeling so much better. It's, um, yes, it's, it's funny because I see quite a few people myself who have been struggling to lose weight. And they, as you say, their, their answer is that they just keep on doing more and more chronic cardio or they'll be doing. It's often the people that are doing multiple classes at the gym. So they'll be like, oh, I've done two sessions in the morning and then they're rushing all day, 12 hour work day. And then I'm doing another session. And, and actually what I say to them is we just need to dial that back and bring the inflammation down have a look at your genetics, but your lifestyle needs to change because your body is going to, you see it a lot with runners that they can't understand why they've got this abdominal fat and they can't lose it. And it's because of that chronic inflammation 
And then it just comes off, but the body's not going to let it go until they kind of calm down. You know, it's giving them the right information, helping them to understand their risk variables and then what they can do about it. And it's really mm. sort of easy, everyday things that they can implement. And I would never suggest that um, if it's a list of 10 things, it's, it's long. I would always like focus on the key areas. So, you know, start off with two or three things. And then after it becomes a habit, you move on to other areas and they'll have more energy and they'll probably be more motivated as well. But it is that um, I just love it when, um, you know, we're speaking to people and they've got the results. And it's usually, I didn't suspect that, but it confirms how I'm feeling. And that's usually a, a health or nutritional pro- professional. And then their clients would be saying things like, that's really amazing. I can't believe, I'm, you know, I'm so pleased I found out about this. Mm. Because I, usually they've got a family history or they've been told that they could be at risk by the GP because of their health check. And they said, I'm so pleased I found out about it. I've had two conversations uh, recently and they were both males actually in high positions in sales roles. Um, so very pressurized roles. And, you know, they, they got their results in that. And unfortunately, they um, and, and it absolutely matched up with their results and, and where they are right now and their lifestyle and that. They were predis, you know, risk for um, sugar imbalance, um, so risk for type 2 diabetes, infl- inflammatory markers as well, not sleeping, not stress, because both stress and sleep are now being, um, there's some interesting research that's associated with insulin resistance as well. Um, so they had all of that, it was all these red flags, and they had actually been diagnosed like weeks before they'd moved into type 2 diabetic. Um, so they were like, if only I'd had this done before, I would have mm-hmm. taken this more seriously, um, you know, those changes. I mean, hopefully they're working on trying to do something about it and support them as much as they possibly could. That's the thing, isn't it? Where well, you came off medication as well, you know, you started implementing all those nutritional, personal nutrition protocols and lifestyle protocols. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I think it's so protective of your health and knowing that information. I mean, you spoke earlier about how, you know, the figures show that in the UK alone, one in three people are thought to have pre-diabetes. And, you know, the British Medical Journal, I think, was the ones that published that information. And these people have no idea, but we also don't test for it. If you go to your GP, you'll be told you're fine until you actually have diabetes. And I think, as you say, knowing the biomarkers behind, and I think a lot of people don't realize as well that, you know, this excess sugar gets turned into triglycerides. So you really are risking your health, you know, your heart health and things like atherosclerosis at the same time as diabetes. Yeah, correct. Exactly. And the amount of people also walking around, um, I, I spoke to a cardiologist the other day, and I mean, the amount of people that have blockages in the artery, with, they're not aware of it, because some people will think, I've just got indigestion. And actually, the only way they find out is when they have the cardiac arrest. Mm. So like literally walking around like ticking time bombs as well, like those with elevated blood pressure as well. So it's really just helping people give them the right um, information and then the tools to reduce that risk. Mm-hmm. really what this what our approach is all about is is, is the prevention and, and we started off looking at obesity and type 2 um, diabetes and that's the area but we we've obviously expanded out because everything we do is in close collaboration with health professionals and nutritional and um, professionals to make sure that what we're researching and what we um we're developing and the products and the tests is actually relevant and helpful um, in their practices to actually treat treat the, the, the clients and the patients. So it has to make sure that it can be translated back to patient care and um, prevention protocols as well. 
I think that's a very good point because I think a lot of people, they might buy a DNA test online. They actually don't know. You know, it, you can have all the information in the world, but at the end of the day, it just becomes shelf help because unless you have somebody that can interpret it with you and show you and, and coach you on how to make those lifestyle changes, you know, generally I will say to people that we'll be working together and I do a lot on a, on a group coaching basis as well so that I can reach more people and it's more affordable for them. But to take them through the, the lifestyle, nutritional and stress reduction strategies and changes that they need to integrate over the, the next few months so that they really are, you know, as we were talking about, then empowered to become the CEO of their health. And I think, you know, the test that you offer is such a great starting point because it shows people whether they need to go and do further research, as you say, and, and look into more lab results on certain areas because we know what their underlying genetics are and, and that doesn't change. Yeah, correct. Exactly. And and the way we report it is the, the client has a access to their own to the portal and it's all color coded. So it's you know using the traffic light system. So you can immediately see all the green areas. It's like really useful information. And you know, it's like great, you you're doing something about it, your lifestyle mm-hmm. choices is, is supporting that genetic capacity. So it's almost like, you know, using that swipe right and swipe left concept. Yeah. Great. You know, now let's look at the borderline areas. Okay, I can see that, but there's just warning signs. And then all the ones in red are really the areas that you need to sort of focus on. So it really it's a blueprint and we all, we all like to call it, it's like your sat nav. It's like, okay, these are my key areas and I need to do something. And the great thing is those scores can change. So you could be like red elevator risk, but as you're improving your lifestyle, because we're going to, you know, check up with you as well and tell us how you're feeling. And then the, um, your blood test, your blood biomarkers can go in there. So we can have a look at one of the ones, um, if you are at risk of type 2 diabetes, we can have a look at your blad sugar, so your glucose and your HbA ones uh, scores, and that can come in. And you go, okay, you're managing this very well now. You're reducing your risk, and you could be moving into sort of an orange um, borderline or even a green area. And the goal is to move you into green. And, mm-hmm. then, and if you fall off the bandwagon, it's okay. You can get back up again. But at least you know that what you – and it's to really think about what you're putting in your mouth every day, what you're drinking, the air you're breathing in. Your household cleaning goods as well, because that's that's toxins. Then oh, you've yeah. got um, impaired methylation pathways, detoxification pathways. You need to think about your cleaning products because that's the mm-hmm. air you're breathing in as well, and that could be mm-hmm. contributing to your symptoms. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really important point, and also I think not not enough people open their windows. Crazy, but they don't let the the clean air flow through their homes. You know, and it can be, as you say, particularly depending on the cleaning products. The most um, toxic environment, and there you are sleeping in it as well. Yeah, and then the mold in the bathrooms as well. You know, just look up on your ceilings around your windows. Like, have you got black mold there as well? And mm. people are sensitive to that as well. So, and that really affects mitochondrial health, doesn't it? And the energy systems of the body. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Mm. And at the end, it's all it's all inflammatory as well. Like, I think inflammation is the sort of um, the big underlying causes of loads of these. Um, because I mean, obesity and type two diabetes, cardiovascular, all the root is inflammation. Mm. So let's do as much as we possibly can to sort of switch off those inflammatory responses in our body. And as you were saying, if you have those, over-exercising is, is not a good thing. And you can see that. And you look at the multivariant factors now. If you look like at the genetic side, sleep, um, their stress levels, and they just feed in the fire. And that's all they're doing. So and understanding that and sort of hard cardio workouts. And the poor body hasn't got enough time to recover. 
and we need to make sure and and we know we know a lot of um you know the protein shakes are a big sort of craze and it's continuing to be a big craze but actually if you've got some of this genetic makeup and we need to actually be putting in so sort of anti-inflammatory protocols in as well they're mm-hmm. removing some of the pro-inflammatory and then the person needs to understand that so what are they actually fueling their body with that's pro-inflammatory and then what anti-inflammatory do we need to put in their body and that could be things like you know the green tea extract the ecg we're talking about omega threes curcumin um so mm-hmm. with turmeric root for example yeah. so it's just giving them those sort of tools to understand okay maybe i shouldn't be drinking like those energy drinks um or anything that's sort of pro-inflammatory and all those added sugars and also going to the supermarket having a look to see i mentioned the um, pro-inflammatory again you know those sort of grain-fed chickens and um, highly processed meats that people could be buying as well sort of look at alternate sources and if it is expensive then maybe consider sort of cutting back on some of that and trying to put in more sort of grass-fed but understanding why you need to do that I think is really helpful for people rather than listening to confusing messages in the media I mean the media are great in grabbing a tiny bit of a research paper and then blowing it big and sensationalizing mm. and oversimplifying it. So then that's the next big craze. Um, or they find, oh, there's a new gene that does this and everybody reads about it. And no, no, it's too, it's too oversimplified. It doesn't work like that. And there's so much confusion. Yeah, so much confusion. Huge. And there's so much information. It's information overload. And I think, as you say, this just really gives them a blueprint to their body and how to navigate through that process and I think you know I would always say to people particularly with things like energy um, levels for example you know it's an inexpensive thing to do and you have to ask yourself the question of how much might you spend further down the line on your health but also how much money are you leaving on the table in terms of your productivity and your success by not taking care of your health. Um, you know I think that's the thing people are they're forgetting about how great their life could be and how amazing their professional life and how much more success they would have because you know particularly with I work a lot with entrepreneurs and you know I think the energy demands for them are very similar to a pro athlete and people at very high level executive CEOs and and they really need to take care of their health Um, I think it's the Dalai Lama who says that we um, in the western world we pretty much spend most of our lives sacrificing our health to generate wealth and then we spend most of our retirement losing our wealth to try and regenerate our health i like that that is so true isn't it yeah yeah Yeah. it's such a paradox yeah Um, yeah and just to avoid having to be dependent on you know gp um not in a bad way but um you know constant sort of checkups and being on on sort of long-term medications because you might get diagnosed with say type 2 but it leads to so many other health problems as well and you end up with two or three health issues from cardiovascular high blood pressure um, Mm -hmm. and you end up with a whole bag of sort of medicines which then interferes with your biochemistry so what we try and do is look at we like to call it the upstream approach rather than sort of treating the symptom and likewise, like not to treat the actual genetic variant on its own in isolation is actually look at the person, look at their lifestyle, look at the environment, and then put together that kind of personalized um, nutrition and lifestyle plan for that person. And it's going to be different for every single person. That's the thing. It is. It is truly personalized nutrition. I'm curious in terms of, because I know you do some 
broader testing than I've seen previously. In terms of people who are struggling, they maybe have got sugar or insulin issues, but people who are really struggling to lose weight, putting aside the factors like lifestyle, reducing toxin load, stress, what are the key genetic variants that you see that drive weight gain and obesity? It's both an environmental issue, um, a dietary issue, and and genetics. So it's a combination of it. So it's, I think genetics alone can't really give you the full picture. But there's certainly genes like the FTO gene is one, and then the fat and obesity gene. That's mm-hmm. why it's called that. So that has a role in our appetite regulation and, and our, how we utilize our energy as well. And then you get other genes like the um, the PPLG, which is um, you know a gene that was during the um, feast and famine from our ancestors. So it's thanks to our ancestors that we actually have all of this because remember this mm. is all inherited and it stayed with us. So in that case, the actual, what we call the wild type is we all have, most of us have this genetic variant. And in, in the times of, you know, our ancestors when they were hunters and gatherers, so um, in the lean months, um, they, they stored. So they ate a lot in the summer months when things were in, in abundance. And then they stored it for the lean winter months. Um, but they were physical because they were hunters and gatherers. Now, with our overindulgence and exposed to all of the foods that we're exposed to, we are really energy-dense foods, and we're not doing the physical activities and moving as much as what we used to. We're, quite, we're sitting down a lot. We're on the couch mm-hmm. watching the belly. What happens? Shops, it's, we're just storing it. We're not utilizing it effectively. So um, there's other genes as well which actually um, encodes for um, cravings. So I do say to people, it's not your fault, it's your genetic backup. So you've got to like trick the brain and say to the brain, you don't need that snack, you know, but what are the triggers? So remember, that's like, that is the genetics. So you are predisposed to sort of crave food cravings and it could either be for, um, you know, fatty things or, or sugary things. Now, um, what drives that or triggers are is poor sleep and high stress and stress. Mm. So you need to manage that then and know. Um, so you've got to trick the brain. So I often say, you know, you know, get some almond, uh, like almond butter and something crunchy um, like that you can eat on. So it's tricking the brain. So you, you're getting your nutrients but you, or a carrot, you know, it's like just trick mm. the brain. So don't reach for that bar of chocolate or that can of Coke or piece of cake. It does take a while because it's a journey, but understanding that, so you asked the question about the weight loss. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've, you know, we get people who want to find out about that. We've got a very complicated algorithm that actually gives you your risk score on um, propensity for higher BMI. And it, it takes many genetic variants and the lifestyle environmental var- uh, variables into account and it gives you that overall score as well. So this is, this is then people that need to then be very mindful of um, the energy dense food so so there's again that's a personalized nutrition approach and especially if their body measurements are in that sort of risk range already so they need to be aware of all of that as well it's both factors on the weight gain but we do find that when they get their personalized nutrition approach firstly they get more energy so they want to exercise so they're starting to move more and just by following and understanding what they need to do they're losing weight naturally it's not a diet it's absolutely Mm -hmm. following so often people, what I see is they often, they stress, they um, not sleeping well, poor detoxification pathways, impaired detoxification, and they are toxic, symptomatic of toxin overload. All of that will impact you as well. So all of that can drive poor sleep because we're not, we're not detoxifying, we're not detoxifying those neurotransmitters. They're just mm-hmm. circulating. 
And we also look, we test for um, sleep patterns. So we look at the genetic variants as well, alongside whether you're symptomatic or poor sleep. On the stress side, there's certain genes that um, will make you more susceptible to stress. Now, I'm one of them. And um, if I'd, I'd, I'd mentioned that story where, you know, dealing with stressful situations and it would just be in my mind, I'd be playing around and, you know, for days. Is this COMP that you're looking at? There's COMP, yeah. but there's a few other genes um, in that particular section as well. But COMP is like one of them. And then you look at the detoxification pathways and, and they were quite, actually, and it was affecting my sleep and my stress levels and my, my toxins, so my foggy brain and feeling like, oh, why am I getting a little bit of belly, belly fat? And I've never had that before. And it's like, it's all linked. It's all connected. Mm. So the areas that I focused on was definitely trying to improve my toxicity. So realizing that actually I need to be eating um, daily portions of my green leafy veg, my cruciferous and alliums. So I started eating daily portions of my broccolis and cauliflowers and my onions, your spring onions, your uh, normal onions, and just putting that in because that aids with uh, detoxification pathways. So mm-hmm. you can do that, but it's also how do you prepare those vegetables? So those vegetables, a little bit of olive oil, put a little bit of garlic in it, you can steam it, don't overcook it because you'll mm-hmm. actually destroy the compounds that we actually need for detoxification. So giving people just those little bit of uh, tools and, and tips. So to start off, if we're looking at that, I would always look at, you know, the mind, the emotion. So what's your stress? What's your sleep looking like? Cravings as well, because if you're symptomatic, that's a sign of a stressed brain as well. Um, what's your toxicity looking like? Are you symptomatic toxin overload? Usually it's like foggy brain, low mood. You could be symptomatic. You could be showing it in your body as well. And then your gut as well. Let's not forget the gut. I mean, mm. if you're highly stressed then very likely that you're impacting the, um, your gut health as well and you could not be absorbing some of these nutrients. So mm. they've got to set that foundation in place. Uh, but we found that with people that have followed understanding what food they need and the compounds in the food that they need to start improving those symptoms and even just you know starting off with it, improving their sleep and their stress moving more and also their toxicity naturally led to uh, weight loss. Yeah. And I find it's, it's interesting you say that, actually, because what I've found as well is that unless people are tracking things, they're not necessarily aware of what's going on. So, for example, I had a, a client recently who um, she always thought she slept really, really well and um, was really struggling with weight gain. And I was like, we, we, you know, we should definitely look at your sleep. And you know, it's something like the Sleep Cycle app was free. It's it, you know, it doesn't cost any money as long as your phone's to airplane and you're not getting the radiation. And after she's tracked it for a week or so and we're starting to get the data through, you know, there was a massive light bulb moment because she was like, well, I had no idea, but I'm actually waking up a lot. And she didn't know that was, you know, that was normal to her. So now we've put in place, you know, some really good techniques for helping her sleep and wind down and, you know, wearing blue light blocking glasses in the evening and, and also regulating her blood sugar during the day. She was sensitive to carbs. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that if you're not regulating your blood sugar, you can end up with this cortisol spike during the night at the wrong time, which, you know, is to normalize blood sugar levels and let glucose into the bloodstream because it's dropped. But then when that cortisol spikes and wakes you up, suddenly you have these anxieties because you're now stimulated. And these are the people like, oh my God, I was awake from 2 a.m. I couldn't go back to sleep. Yeah. And actually it's it's simple changes, you know, as you say. Yeah, and you've given her those tools and how did she feel after after she implemented those? So much better. And she, you know, had been gaining weight um, on a continual basis and is now that, that process is reversing, it's stabilized and now it's reversing and the weight's coming off. And that 
for somebody who has struggled and felt completely out of control is life-changing. And I think it's simple steps, as you say, you know, with, with the questionnaires and things that you offer and the algorithm and, and all the practitioner support that you give is really amazing because it gives us as practitioners the tools to really talk people through along with our other training, help them make those lifestyle changes in a way that I believe is actually super time efficient. I think they gain time and wealth back through doing this. That's what I see. Oh, that's good to hear. Good. Yeah. So yeah, super powerful. Um, thank you so much for coming. I mean, you shared so much, but there, I know there's more and I think we have to have you back if you were up for that. Oh, absolutely. I'm so passionate about this field and also, you know, the field of um, nutritional genetics or nutrigenomics and epigenetics. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. Yeah. And we're um, learning every day because it's still emerging and there's loads more that we need to um, discover. But yeah, it, it's my big passion. Yeah, no, it's brilliant. And I know that you guys um, are always on the cutting edge of the science and there's there's more great things to come. As you say, you've already launched vitamins that you have that go alongside the testing. Yes, correct. Um, so these are, yeah. um, you know, your food um, supplements. So it, it will support um so for your sleep and your stress and um, your blood sugar so yeah it's all designed to fit alongside especially if you've got elevated risk or and you and you're symptomatic that's the key thing and you're symptomatic so it'll it will support you while you make those those changes and while you're getting to better sleep patterns and you're reducing your stress and it's designed just to be there to support mm-hmm. but ultimately we will encourage lifestyle and we will encourage healthy uh, you know the right sort of uh, food choices as well yeah, absolutely. I'm saying I always think as much as we can, we need to get it from our food yeah. first and then, you know, supplement on top. Yeah, good. Well, thank you so much, Bernie. I really welcome. It was lovely chatting to you. And to you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.